Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into King Ralph in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. This is the last episode I had to record for my vacation for it to fill in all these episodes and all these slots. And I really didn't know what I was going to talk about. I uh, nothing new would come out and and what it had what had come out I hadn't seen. Uh, I feel like I exa- you know, I did already top 10 films from June, I did top 10 actors in July. I was really not sure what I was going to end up doing. I kept looking at the films I was watching and like, well, can I do a statistics episode for any of these? And none of them ever really met the threshold of like how statistically effective those movies were to uh, warrant including them. And I, I literally, this is probably the last you know convenient chance I was going to have to record and not even you know five minutes ago I finished King Ralph and I, I finally decided you know I'll, I'll I'll do an episode on King Ralph and and here's why one we'll talk a little bit about King Ralph and the movie itself two I want to talk about for a, a few minutes uh, and, and, and King Ralph is a perfect example of this. A, a great cast of actors, a, a really great cast of actors, that for one reason or another, maybe it's the writing, maybe it's the direction, maybe it's the subject matter, uh, end up in a really bad movie. Um, and, and you know, maybe it's the paycheck. Uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it. And then finally third thing I wanted to talk about was this this wish fulfillment uh, type of movie that that King Ralph is because it's it's very much not uh, the only one of its kind and I don't know and let's kind of start there and, and, that, and we'll kind of you know use this to talk about King Ralph too King Ralph the premise uh, of the film for those that aren't aware, John Goodman is a Las Vegas performer. You know, he plays the piano, he does a little singing. And uh, at the very beginning of the movie, he gets fired. Only to discover that the entire royal family has just died during a photo shoot, which is technically the first scene in the movie. He in a very convoluted and long-winding path, is the next person in line for the throne. Naturally, as the movie progresses, he is forced to go to England, he becomes the new king, and, you know, fish-out-of-water situation, he has to learn how to be English, be royal, and, uh, you know, ignore all of his American ways in the process. You know, it's a, a Princess Diaries sort of narrative that, you know, we've seen quite a few times, and King Ralph probably w- wasn't the first one to do it, and certainly isn't the last, and uh, we certainly will see more of them in the future. 
You know, someone unrefined attempting to become refined. And along the way, their sensibilities, uh, you know, affect the sensibilities of those trying to train this person. And, you know, everybody gets, you know, a little bit better, a little bit more accepting, a little more understanding, and uh, generally improves overall. Which is really nice and really, really a fun, a fun little thing. And like these movies are okay, a lot of wish fulfillment, you know, just that uh, that uh, idea that just any old person could wake up king of a country someday, king or queen of a country someday, and you know, I mean, maybe we don't all want that, but having that power, having that authority would certainly change many people's lives uh, for the better, you know, perhaps from a financial situation or just, a, you know, a lifestyle situation even. And so we end up with King Ralph and uh, part, of, part of the plot here, and this is in most of them, is that the person who ends up a- attaining the position of power there are people who don't like this, people who don't want him or her to to be in this position of power. In this case, we have John Hurt, who, through a different convoluted path, could have also been named king, and he would prefer that path, yeah, as, as one would. And so he establishes a, a, a plot to, you know, catch... Uh, John Goodman out of sorts, out of his element, and embarrassing the country of England. The film continues. You also have Peter O'Toole uh, who and, and Richard Griffiths, who are working with King Ralph, John Goodman, to make him a king, to teach him the finer arts of things and how to be royal. And along the way... King Ralph meets a, a, a stripper who he falls for and develops a relationship with, uh, but she is eventually coerced by John Hurt to, you know, get salacious images of the two of them together and therefore, you know, crumble the, the monarchy. So, you know, all this is very old hat. It's very rote. It's very straightforward you see it coming a mile away it's it's obvious king ralph absolutely does nothing new it, it doesn't reinvent the wheel it doesn't present us with anything unique whatsoever and and so many of these movies are the same way and i don't know i, I had the three things that i was i wanted to talk about and they're all kind of going to mesh together so structure not my strong suit so this is true of a lot of movies with a lot of really talented people. John Goodman, for uh, King Ralph is an example. John Goodman, Peter O'Toole, uh, John Hurt, Richard Griffiths. <clears throat> and, you know, those are the four biggest names in this movie. But but even outside of that, you have, uh, you know, the Camille Kadori, who uh, was on Doctor Who. Uh, you have Jolie Richardson, who plays a princess in this. Uh, you know, a lot of even a lot of the supporting cast who may or may not be um, 
very well known or anything along those lines are still very competent performers. They're giving a lot to these movie these movies and doing a good job of it. Except so for what you know, whether it's just bad writing or directing or whatever the case may be, we still end up with these really bad movies that feature a ton of great actors in them. Uh, think of a lot of disaster movies from like the 70s, 80s, 90s. You can, I, I can look at, you know, even the, <clears throat> in the last, you know, few days, I've seen a handful of these things. Um, let me see if I can find the list. You've got stuff like Lullaby. Or you again, or da, 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 da. well, let's use those two. Let's just, let's start with those two. Those are the two. Lullaby. You've got Garrett Hedlund, Richard Jenkins, Ann Archer, Jessica Barden, Terrence Howard, Jennifer Hudson, Amy Adams, uh, Frankie Shaw. This is a movie, uh, you know, but it's a very straightforward movie with very little drama and it ends up being super bland and super unexciting you also have you again which features Kristen bell and sigourney weaver and betty white and Kristen chenoweth and odette annabelle and jamie lee curtis and christine lakin and cloris leachman and victor garber uh, you know like these are huge casts reginald vell johnson Dwayne the rock johnson is also in this movie and 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 yet Outside of, you know, just the idea of these performers working together, the movies fall very, very flat. And here's the thing. You can approach this on one, from one angle and say, you have all these people in this movie. How does it end up poor? How does it end up bad? And I think in that instance, you have to look at the writing and you have to look at the material. And in most of these movies, the material, like I talked about with King Ralph, is simply not enjoyable. It's simply not exciting. It's very one-dimensional. It is, you know, something we've seen many times over. And it doesn't offer us anything new. On the other side, you can ask the question of why did these performers choose to join a project so poor? And... That question is a little more nuanced because we can't really know what they were thinking. And even if they did interviews regarding the film and their position in it, you know, how much of that is them, you know, sort of covering their own ass for a movie that isn't very good? Uh, You know, maybe it's just that Jamie Lee Curtis and Sigourney Weaver wanted to work together. And hey, that's awesome. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the director that they were interested in working with or... It's a movie that they, you know, maybe they know someone who wrote the movie. Maybe they're, who knows, right? There's a many, there are many, many reasons why these actors choose to perform in these particular films. And I, I think, you know, you could even say that in some instances, they actually believe that this could be a good film. And it just, you know, for whatever reason, flops. I'm looking at things like The Counselor or Nine, which have a lot of big-name actors in them. Uh, Very strong performance. Feature great names behind the camera as well. And yet, uh, still, still completely missed the mark. So, it's not completely, you know, you can't only ever blame the writer. You can't only ever blame the director. You can't only ever only ever blame, you know, actors deciding to take a paycheck because in most of these movies, they're not just sleepwalking through these parts. They're actually 
Peter O'Toole in King Ralph is great. He's always great. But, you know, you could put Peter O'Toole in every single role in King Ralph, and I don't think it makes the movie any better. Or it does, maybe it does, but it doesn't make the movie good. And it's it's such a fascinating thing. And I, I, I you know, speaking from my own personal experience, as someone who, you know, logs all these movies, as someone who tracks how they affect the directors and writers and performers in all these movies on my spreadsheet, I love movies like this. I love a movie with a huge cast that isn't good. Because the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just adding people and adding people and adding people. And I'm like, man, like this is going to be great for the spreadsheet. It's going to impact like 30 different people. They're all going to have lower scores after this. And uh, they should. It's a bad movie. Why did they choose to join it? You know, even if the reason is a good one for them, it's not a good reason, you know, and with respect to their filmography. And so I, I love this. I love movies like this. I think, you know, you can't get through anyone's filmography and not find a bad film uh, unless, you know, they only did, you know, five or six movies. And this is, I don't know. I like it. I like it. I think it's, it's a good, good thing. I think, you know, all films are good things. But King Ralph, um, it, it, I said how it's, you know, it's not a unique story or an approach, but you could tweak this movie a little bit and make it really, really provocative, you know? The dichotomy between the United States and England has always existed, it's always been a very distinct, you know, a, a distinct separation. There is a, you know, historied uh, fragility to the relationship between the two countries. And there's a lot you could say, you know, by having an American, uh, sort of, you know, loud, obnoxious American character becoming the king of England. And this movie chooses not to really talk about that that much. Uh, it chooses to play all of those elements for laughs. It chooses to ignore them from a thematic standpoint. But a better movie could have approached it that way. A better movie could have looked at things through that lens. Could have kept the same cast. Could have even kept the same overall plot. But you just rewrite the scenes to focus on a different element on a different aspect to not look for the easiest gag or the quickest laugh and suddenly you've got something pretty introspective something pretty contemplative and you you, you have to wonder I, I think you have to wonder when you see a movie like this that with you know one tweak could have been good why they didn't do it that way because surely some point between the start and the finish someone wa- look read through this script or watched the dailies or uh, you know who talked to any of the people involved in it could have thought oh well why don't you try looking at it from this through this lens or from this point of view it had to have happened at some point maybe it was one of the writer's initial ideas you know and maybe the the thing just got bastardized in in production 
but I I would wager I would wager that ultimately what happened is that uh, it really became about finance. You know, we, we it's a fine line between a financially successful movie and a financial bomb and a movie like Jurassic World was a huge financial hit and yet from a quality standpoint you know it's it's not very good and then you look at something like um more recently in the last few weeks we can even say uh Godzilla King of the Monsters which was a financial bomb <laughs> uh and yet I would say it's not far off from Jurassic World or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom even I would say it's better than Fallen Kingdom uh it's not far off from Fallen Kingdom in quality, and yet commercially it just pales. It's going to make less in its entire domestic run than Fallen Kingdom made in its opening weekend. And is Jurassic, the Jurassic Park element, the Jurassic Kingdom name, more recognizable in the world than Godzilla? No, it, it, it absolutely is not. But for whatever the reason, for whatever the, whatever, whether it's the marketing campaign or the studio behind it or the cast and names attached to the films, one succeeded and the other did not. And that, that's, that's big blockbuster type movies. Those are huge movies. And King Ralph clearly, you know, did not have a huge budget. But I think the point being here is that a studio looks at a movie and has to determine what can we sell? What is what is the easiest thing for us to sell? How can we get our money back from this movie? And I, if I come to you, if I come to you and I give you a script and it says, here's an American, he is picked up and becomes the king of England, uh, what genre do you expect that to be in? If that's the if that's the elevator pitch, an American becomes the king of England. What is the uh, you know what what is what genre is that? And you got to assume comedy. I think that would be the first thing most people expect, and that's probably the easiest thing to sell. And you also have to assume comedies tend to do better at the box office than dramas do, or even dramedies. You know, it's most movies are not going to be the King's Speech, which was very financially successful most movies are not going to be uh say uh you know three billboards outside ebbing missouri most movies are not going to be moonlight which did very very well for itself and comedies on the other hand are are such are so much easier to stomach and uh, none of this is to say that i did any research whatsoever into the production of king ralph whether or not it could ever have been a drama or was ever intended to be one. Uh, you know, For all I know, it was always going to be a comedy. Everyone was all on board. Peter O'Toole, John Goodman, uh, John Hurt loved the script, thought it was going to be a smash hit. They were, you know, who knows what they were thinking. I'm just saying, when you have an expectation, and depending on who you're looking at, it's a different expectation. So, 
if you're a viewer of King Ralph, uh, probably based on the trailers, based on the cast you're expecting, oh, this is probably a halfway decent, funny comedy. And if you're the studios, you're looking at a movie like this, and you're like, okay, we got some big names, we got a good premise, a comedy, great title, uh, this is going to make us a ton of money. And when it doesn't do any of those things, and actually, now that I think about it, I haven't actually looked up if King Ralph made any money relative to anything. Uh, King Ralph, in 1991 dollars, made $34 million domestically, or, <clears throat> adjusted for inflation, $72 million domestically, which uh, would be fairly decent. Um, do we have a... Do we have a... Uh, I don't see a budget. Gotta imagine it made back its budget and then some. So it yeah, it was probably uh, probably fairly successful, financially speaking, which is great. You know, I, I like I said, the people attached to this movie are awesome, and you know, if they can be in a movie and even if it's bad, earn back the money uh, to be able to keep acting, to be able to keep working, and then get better roles and more roles, and like that's awesome, and I, I think that's great. And for any of the people attached to this movie, recognizable or not in front of or behind the camera to get more work from a successful film even if that film is bad I think is a great thing and so this expectation that anyone has about King Ralph when it's when it, when that expectation is not followed through on when it ends up being a less than funny bland retreading of you know a half a dozen other movies you have to wonder, and I think we do it. We do it a lot now with sequels and, and reboots and remakes of fran franchise reboots, franchise remakes. Have to wonder why the movie was made at all. And I think that question again ultimately leads back. Ultimately leads back to finances, because King Ralph, uh, you know, has some some pretty. Uh, pretty bad stuff in it um there's a scene where goodman uh, as king ralph meets the king of i think zambezi zambezi and uh the other guy shows up and it's a there's a there's a little racist racism going on here uh not necessarily from from ralph and john goodman's character but just from the movie uh, as he talks in jive when he greets the guy or or they end up throwing spears together and the movie doesn't you know make this a racist thing but by doing it at all it is ultimately a racist thing and so like there's problematic elements to king ralph showing its you know dated age you know, 20, uh, 20, uh, 28 years ago now. And I think, you know, you look at these movies, uh, like all, any of the ones that, any movie with a giant cast that's not very good, which there are very, very many, uh, 
I think all of these movies come down to the money. And I don't think the stars attached to them are only ever doing it for the money. I think if you came to me and said, hey, do you want to be in a movie that stars John Goodman and Peter O'Toole and, uh, you know, John Hurt, I would say, of course. I would love that. I, You know, by the time you get to the fifth, sixth, seventh person, you've got a huge cast list already of great people, great names, big names, big stars who've been in the industry for decades and decades at that point. And it doesn't take a lot more to sell other people on on joining the cast because you get to work with John Goodman and Peter O'Toole and da 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 which is wonderful. And who wouldn't, you know, if, you know, especially you get to some people, you know, you know, if it's if in today's day and age, if you could work with, say, uh, Robert Redford, you know, a guy who's constantly on the edge of retirement uh, in some fashion or another, who, you know, or any other star who is close to the end of their career, either by choice or un- unfortunately by, you know, perhaps by by passing, you jump at that chance. Which is why you get so many of these friggin' movies like Going in Style and, and Palms that are just a ton of old, older actors working together with a couple of younger ones sprinkled in. You know, do you turn down a chance to work with Morgan Freeman or, you know, Diane Lane or Diane Keaton or... Anybody, any of those types that you know, those huge you know, people who are very famous, Oscar nominees in their own right, storied careers. How do you turn that opportunity down if it could, unfortunately, be the last chance you get to work with someone like that? It's it's a it's a fascinating sort of subset of Hollywood and of movies and of film, uh, and not always a good one and which is unfortunate but it's it's just a a sort of what it is you know we can't change it any more than we can prevent it you know in the next next 10 years there's going to be another you know 50 to 100 of these types of movies and until they're not, you know, financially successful, they'll keep coming. But because of the people attached to them, they're always going to be somewhat financially successful. Some of them are going to make enough money to keep these things going. You know, when your budget is $5 million, the par is really, really low. And I'll keep watching them. <laughs> it's it's just there's not much to them. There never is. And like I said, I, I think these types of movies, what they do for the industry, is actually, in my opinion, a great thing. In that you get a ton of people working on a film that ends up making money. You get a ton of people working on a film with 
veterans of of the craft, veterans of the industry, uh, not only in front of the camera, but generally behind the camera as well. Uh, the, the composer for King Ralph is James Newton Howard, who is a great composer. King Ralph, you know, notwithstanding. And for all the people on these movies that aren't veterans, that aren't, you know, adjusted to this life, that aren't, you know, old hat in Hollywood, this gives them huge experience on a big movie that a lot of very prominent people are in. And I think the argument of, well, you could just make a good movie instead is kind of doesn't is kind of missing the point because I think all of us would want only good movies can you imagine a world where every movie was good where you know the difference between a movie you give a zero and a hundred and a 100 to is just shades of good to great to amazing to incredible to exceptional to outstanding I can't I, I can't because that that just doesn't there are always going to be bad movies and at the very least the best bad movies are the ones that pave the way for better things to come and you look at a thing like King Ralph, and you know I don't know that this paved the way for any specific film to get made in the future. Uh, I don't know that John Goodman or Peter O'Toole needed this for their own careers. I don't, I doubt it. Uh, but Camille Kadori might have. Jolie Richardson might have. David S. Ward, who directed it, I'm not familiar with his name, so. Uh, he did Major League in Major League 2. <clears throat> well, this came <clears throat> after Major League, but before Major League 2. Uh, it led to Down Periscope for him. He, he did the program. Uh, you know, so he probably got this through Major League, but, you know, if, he, if this was his first movie, could have led to bigger things for him. The writers, David S. Ward and Emlyn Williams. Uh, I think Emlyn Williams wrote not the screenplay because he died four years before this came out, but maybe he did. Maybe he helped work on it. Um, you know, the editor, John Jimson, cinematographer, Kenneth McMillan, Simon Holland and Clinton Cavers, who did the production design. Uh, Scott Hecker, Ivan Sharrock, Doug Hemphill, Chris Jenkins, Mark Smith, who did the sound, Catherine Cook, who did the costumes, Peter Rob King, and Jane Royal, that did the makeup. You know, I'm not going to go through all, I'm not going to look at all of their his careers, but, you know, how many of those people got better careers after this movie? At least one? I don't think that's, you know, asking for too much. And, you know, you look at Letterboxd, 5,000 people have watched this. And uh, predominantly the scores are three stars or less. But five people gave King Ralph four and a half stars. Thirteen people gave it a five-star rating. And 
let's say even if half of those people were giving it an ironic five stars, that's still six and a half people who love this movie out of 5,000 people on Letterboxd. I mean, you know, you you look at other careers and other places and, and, and things in the world where if you could just change one person, if you could just save one person, then it's worth it. Well, if you can touch and connect to one person with your movie, is that worth it? Is there some sort of magic ratio between the number of millions of dollars spent to make a movie and the number of people that fall in love with it? I don't know. I don't know. I I just think... I guess all of this is to say that we get a lot of these bad movies with big names. And we're going to keep getting them. And yeah, I wish the movies were good especially when the actors are people I really like, like a Peter O'Toole, like a John Goodman, like a John Hurt. But I would rather have more bad movies with these people in them than no movies at all. Because the bad movie doesn't mean that they're bad in them. And I think, you know, they aren't. I think Peter O'Toole is really good in this. I thought John Hurt is much more of a caricature, but you know, he's not terrible. John Goodman looks like he's having a great time in this movie. And, you know, it's not the ba- the worst thing in the world. So, King Ralph is, is, is a bad movie. But, it, it doesn't have to mean, you know, that it, it, you know, you don't have to be upset at it for being bad. It being bad is not always a bad thing. Yeah. A bad movie isn't always a bad thing. I like that. That is, that is the tagline of this episode. A bad movie is not always a bad thing. And I know a lot of, I, I can, you know, I could name someone, at least one person, right now off the top of my head that would absolutely disagree with that statement. Um, but I, 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 I really think it's, it's true. So, so uh, that is it. That is the last episode of the vacation period. Um, I'm recording this July 4th. Uh, it is 11.30 at night, and uh, this will, episode will come out in a little over a week now, next Friday. And then uh, by Monday, I'll have something new to record and talk about, and that will be probably something Spider-Man. I'm expecting it to be Spider-Man. So, yeah, expect Spider-Man the following Monday, uh, far away from when it actually came out because of vacation, which I'm sorry about, but uh, them's them's the breaks. If you have any thoughts on the importance and relevance of bad movies in the industry of film, I'd love to hear them. Uh, share them on you know Twitter at Circle of Film. 
reply to any of my reviews on Letterboxd uh, at Circle Film. Send me an email, circlefilm at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we can talk about it. If you would like to find more episodes, Stitcher, iTunes, or circleoffilm.com has all of them. You can support the show, like, rate, review, subscribe, or go to patreon.com slash circleoffilm and become a patron for as little as eight cents and and eight cents an episode thank you for listening to today's episode on king ralph and bad movies and as always have a week so long farewell i'll be the same good night i know she'll never leave me even as she fails